Good to be here with you this morning. Awesome job, Connie. That was great. I enjoyed that. I, I love that prayer of Christ. And uh, I'm excited for you guys. 125 years. I've been around probably about 40 or 50 of those for uh, in this church. I didn't go to this church, but our youth group would hang out with the youth group here and go to Camp Sanders together. So the pictures out there, I recognize a bunch of those people from years past. It's exciting that you've lasted that long and the best is yet to come, right? Oh, I like that. Woohoo! Okay, uh, we've been talking about the church and the Antioch church in particular and how exciting that, that church is and, and what God, uh, how he worked through this group of people. And what can we learn from the Antioch example that we can take into our lives today in this culture, in this time? And so I want you to turn to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And we're going to just read again a couple of verses. And, and then we're going to see what God wants to say to us again today. Acts chapter 11, starting verse 19. If you're there, say amen. 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 Let's stand at the reading of God's word. I think I can stand. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. And some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this example. Thank you that you are the same God that was involved in the church then as you are today. And there is no shortage of power in you. And Lord, you're just waiting for us to, to yield more and more of ourselves to you. And Lord, the world needs us. The world needs the church. It needs believers that have a passion for what what your heart is for, and that's lost people. So Lord, as we dig through this, I pray that not only would we be informed, but that we would be transformed. That your Holy Spirit would invigorate and empower us to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, yes. or yes, yes. <laughs> you know, um, Basically, this, this is, when you look at the Antioch Church, it's a, where we've been basically talking about evangelism. And that's a kind of old-fashioned word, and, and sometimes that strikes fear into people. I, re, um, uh, I remember when I first got saved in, in Spokane at Opportunity at Camp Sanders, I was 15 years old, and Kirby Berthoff immediately started taking me out uh, visiting on Monday nights. I was 15 years old, and he said, I'm going to start taking you out, and we're going to do what they used to call soul winning. I was scared spitless. 
I mean, Kirby would just knock on a door. And I'd be like, I was praying no one would answer. <laughs> but he would take me out every Monday night and, and he trained me. So I realized that most people I meet, most Christians I know, want to share their faith. Most people do. Most people don't know how or they're afraid. And I understand it. And most people have not been discipled like I have. Why Kirby Bertha grabbed me and pulled me aside of all the other youth and started training me from the first time I accepted Christ. I didn't even own a Bible and he gave me in charge of a fifth and sixth grade boys Sunday school classroom. And then he would train me. So I wanna say, I wanna say as I preach this, let's all move closer to what God wants us to do. We're all on a different place but the goal is that my hope, and I know Pastor James' hope, is that everyone, each one, bring one to Jesus. Each one bring one. Because if you, once you lead one person to the Lord, you'll never be the same. You'll be in line with what God, and it, I can't even explain to you what it feels like to actually see someone accept Christ. It's, it's, and, and if you want to be a part of that, one of the best places to do is get involved in children's ministry. Where's, where's Connie? Amen. Yeah, there you go. Because kids, you can't, in fact, you know, it used to be before, you had to reach a kid before they turned 18, 19. Uh, it used to be when I, at my age. Now it's down to like 12, 13. By, by the time a kid gets to 12 or 13, they pretty well decided, what they're going to believe in. A 12-year-old is a still a little kid. And so children's ministry is really super, super important. Are you hearing me? So, okay, that was a freebie. I want to get in. Let's look at a couple things here, just a couple more. I don't have a whole lot of time, but there's a couple things that we need to see the Antioch Church and, and, and understand, and, and, and first of all, when, you, when I think of the Antioch Church, Antioch Church was, this was, a, a, they had just experienced violent rejection of the gospel in Jerusalem. And so they got kicked out by the Jews, and then they end up all over, and, and especially in Antioch. Antioch was a very rich um, city. The whole downtown there was paved, it was hardly on heard of, but the downtown, four miles of downtown was paved, and they had gas lights, and they had covered um, walkways. They had plumbing, and so it was a very rich town, and it was a very immoral town, and it's very much like our cities today. Just Sheila just told me, somebody said that, oh, you, you went to New York City, right? And about New York City's about 4% even claim Christ in New York City anymore. So it's like that. And they're in kind of a, and we can all acknowledge that we're in a culture now which is increasingly hostile towards Christianity. Can you agree with me on that? It, it is. And it used to be, there for a while, people were kind of neutral about church and Jesus. Now we're in the negative. And 
And so it's even more difficult. That's a, it's the same situation here. And yet, we see these people, and the first week I was talking about, we need to be courageous. We need, they, they were persecuted, they were displaced, they were refugees, and yet they kept still spreading the word. They kept on talking. They were courageous Christians. And they were crazy. They went out of the scope of their, they, Jews don't talk to Gentiles, and yet these Jews went and talked to Gentiles and the Jew, the Greek people. So there was, they colored outside the lines, and we've been talking about that. And I, I wanna, I, I, but what I wanna really talk about today is this. There's, in verse, look at this, uh, verse 20. It says this. Some, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks. Speak. That, the Greek word is lalao, which is... But that means in your out loud voice. They literally talked about Jesus in their out loud voice in a culture where it was kind of not acceptable. And so in their out loud voice, out loud voice, they began to speak and it's, and it, and it's um, as, you, as you're looking at the word, it's imperfect tense, which, eh, but there's some really interesting things about the imperfect tense. It means it has no concept of ever ending. And so they began to speak with the idea of, I'm going to speak, and I'm going to continue to speak, and I'm not going to stop speaking about Jesus. And so these believers were vocal about their faith. Now, in our, Barna has done some research from 1993 to 2018, and more and more Christians are adopting the, the methodology of evangelism of just letting my life speak. I'll, ju I'll just let my life speak. And fewer and fewer of them, I think it's down to about 32%, are actually using scripture when they talk and get in spiritual conversations. And it used to be in the 60 range where people would actually use like the Roman road or things like that. Now we're not referring to the Bible. We just kind of more and more let our, hopefully our life shows that we love Jesus. But here, these believers were vocal. They spoke up. They, Sheila, when I first married Sheila, she was pretty quiet. And when we went to, when we went to uh, Colville, one of my treasurer used to, said uh, she was kind of mousy. But after living with me for, you know, several decades, she's went from mousy to mouthy. And Ken said that, boy, you're getting, you went from mousy to mouthy. Folks, we need to go from being mousy to mouthy. I'm not saying being irritating. Never being irritating. But being mouthy, speak. We need to speak. In fact, the scripture says this. Uh, it's that we were talking, Connie, you were talking about show and tell. How many of you, that was your favorite part of school? 
Come on, I loved it. I was sixth grade, sixth grade. I had a Kestrel Falcon. You guys know what a Kestrel Falcon is? I was the cool man at 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 uh, the the grade school there, McDonald Elementary. I had a Kestrel Falcon, and I took it to show and tell. I was big man on campus. And because I was showing them and I trained my bird how to fly to me from a tree. Isn't that cool? And I whistled and I had a glove on and it fly to me and the kids, whoa. And they hung on every word I said about Kestrel Falcon and how do you train it. We should live in such a way that people will hang on. We are, wow, look at that life. You love your wife. You love, I mean, and, and, and be able to, our life opens up our mouth, and we need to be verbal about our faith. And, and, and sometimes you just, it's practice on kids. Kids don't judge you when you talk about Jesus. So listen to what Paul said to the Roman church. He said, whoever will call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher to proclaim? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And then later he says, faith cometh by hearing, by hearing the word of God. We need to be verbal people. We need to talk about Jesus. I know how weird it feels. My next door neighbor, but the way I kind of started talking about Jesus is I started asking him if I could pray for him when he was facing different things. And then I was able to pray in Jesus' name. I got Jesus' name in there. And it began. That's it. So, okay, so there's that one word. He goes around speaking to the Greeks. There's another word in here, very interesting word. Telling them the good news. Actually, telling them the good news is one Greek word. Telling them. In other words, what we talk about is good news. We don't, it's not bad news. It's not hellfire and brimstone. It's not, I, one of the things we found out in Europe when we were missionaries and so we didn't really have to talk about hell or anything like that because they were already living hell. Because in reality, people who don't know Jesus are without hope in this world. And they may look happy, but when they go home, they're empty. And so when they encounter someone who's truly happy in Jesus, that's the show part, they were ready for the tell part. And we got, just because we we're happy in Christ and Sheila and I actually liked each other and actually were married for over 40 years, that blew them away. That opened up our mouth and we were able to tell them it's good news. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, amen? This whole sin, I love that, Connie. Where are you, Connie? I see you back there in the foyer. Yeah, there you are. I love your thing about sin. I is in the middle of it. I is, is the sign language for I. I is in the middle of it. 
And they had lived for decades that. And when you live selfish life like that, it's an empty life. And so all we had to do was tell them the good news. And they were, that there was, there was a Jesus, there was a God that meets their deepest needs, that can fulfill them, that can love them, that can forgive them, that can give them a purpose to live for. And so we got to be verbal and it's telling. Now, what is this message? The message, let me double check here, make sure I didn't lose something. The message is good news, but what did he say it was? Telling them the good news about what? The Lord Jesus, right? He could have just said Jesus. But here, here's the crux, and this is what makes the news hard for the old nature that's in us all. Lord means owner. Curios means owner. And so the message is not only forgiveness, but it's a message of surrender. The only way we experience the forgiveness is through surrender of the big I to him. So that it's, it's good news, and yet it's, it's hard for that old nature to accept that. It's telling, and it's telling about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, and it, but here's what we're doing in America. I see it. I could be wrong, but I see us. What we're doing is we're promoting our churches, or we're promoting our music ministry or our youth or our children's ministry talk about how awesome that is or how awesome our pastor is or how awesome whatever it may be or our building is. We're talking about all these things because it's easier to talk about these things than to talk about Jesus. But our message, people, is not our denomination or whatever it may be. Our message is Jesus. He's the one that changes lives. There is no denomination that changes lives. It's Jesus that changes lives. Do I hear an amen on that? I know it's easy as a pastor to lead a church to, hey, let's promote our church. But no, we're here promoting Jesus and what he did on the cross. He died on the cross. I don't know of one pastor that's ever died on the cross for his people. It's Jesus that, and then rose again. That's our message. It's about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. And this telling is, it's, it's, it's also, here's something interesting about this word, a couple other things. It's in the middle voice, which means in the telling, we're changed. Think about that. In telling the good news to someone else about Jesus Christ, our lives are changed. And I began to think, the times that I have felt dry and dull in my faith and my walk were the times that I wasn't intentionally looking for an opportunity to witness. You want to see someone that's excited about Jesus? Well, Connie, Connie, she's pretty excited. She gets to tell kids all the time about Jesus. Could it be that 
what we need to do to enliven our spiritual life if we want to experience peace and love and joy and fulfillment, if we want to mature in our faith, maybe we need to be active in doing what Jesus told us to do. And in doing that, we're changed. Maybe that's what Kirby realized when he looked at me and he said, I want this guy's life to change and keep changing into the likeness of Christ. So the first thing he taught me was how to share my faith. That's the first thing Kirby Berthoff, the pastor of the Free Methodist Church, had an opportunity did. He taught me how, I remember him taking the Bible. I didn't even own a Bible. It was the Revised Standard Version Bible, and he showed me the Roman road. How many of you know the Roman road? You got it. it's, it's an awesome tool. You just all you have to do is remember the first verse and then write the next verses that you would use in the margins, and you can just take someone through the scripture on how to be saved. That's what Kirby did. It telling were changed. Also, it's a participle, which means in telling you you tell and you keep telling the good news. You don't stop. So you keep speaking, you keep telling, you proclaim. Now proclaiming is not teaching, it's just saying Jesus died on the cross for you, or however God leads you to say that message. There's so many ways to say it. In telling you just you just keep telling it in your out loud voice and don't stop. It's like this dog in um, Leavenworth. We were float, floating in Leavenworth in our, in our kayaks and uh, there's this yellow lab that's on the Wenatchee River is at this one house and it's in the river every time we're there. That dog's face is in the water and his tail is going like this. And I'll whistle at it and everything won't get disturbed, not distracted. We'll float by, and now next day I'll float by. Dog is in the same spot looking in the river. I, I float by the third day. Guess where the dog is? Same spot with his nose. At one point, at one time, that dog caught a fish, you know, and it's looking for another fish, and it won't stop. I bet that owner has a hard time getting the dog up just to feed it so it can go back down to fish. That's the idea here. It's I am all, we need to be like Bruno the fishing dog. I just, I'm going to just keep fishing and fishing and fishing in my out loud voice. I'm going to show, I'm going to tell. So that, that's what this Antioch, they were verbal. And they kept on being verbal. And their message was good news. And they were excited about that message. And so, I like this quote. I'm going to end with a couple of thoughts here. This quote, I love from Charles Wesley. I'm Charles Spurgeon. He says this, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over my dead body. Did you hear that? Ah, uh, just this guy, the way this guy used to preach, man. Let them leap over my, and if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees. 
imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. The Antioch church was all about reaching lost people. I like what your church is. What is it, Tim? Neighborhood by neighborhood, what's the phrase? Church, be church for our neighbor. So actually bring in Christ right into your neighborhoods. Um, I read an article yesterday and the question that hit me really hard was this. When was the last time you have had a conversation about Jesus with a non-believer. And yet, that's what we're called to do. To show and tell, to be verbal, courageous Christians. I think the key is in neighborhoods. There's something that I do that I want to pass on to you. I call it the three Ps. P number one is pray. Because unless God draws them, people won't come to the Father. This is, a, this is a Jesus thing start to finish. So prayer. I have a prayer notebook. I have a list of people I pray for by name. And I keep praying for those people. The second P is participate. That's where the neighborhoods come in. What do you guys like to do? This, what, what are some of the things you like to do? I like riding my motorcycle. I have a chieftain, and I love riding my motorcycle. And so my next door neighbor, who's not a believer, he's got a Harley. I've got an Indian, he's got a Harley. I have ridden with, so, Sheila and I have ridden with so many of the most interesting people you will ever meet on bikes. Sometimes we used to call it all evangelism because we'd, this, we'd go uh, bar hopping with, uh, with these, these people and Sheila and I were drinking our Cokes and they were happy to have us there. But I think they said these things just to see if we were shocked. But they would be talking about different activities that they would do with one another, you know, male with female. Are you getting the picture here? And Sheila and I would be going, oh, like that. We call it, oh, evangelism. And then we'd be hitting our knees against each other under the table. But we'd hang out because I love riding motorcycle. And you can use what you love. Some people love fishing. Use fishing. Some people, Sheila used making cupcakes in, in um, Europe. Europe has all these beautiful pastries, gorgeous. Thus, I gained 15 pounds. It was wonderful, but they never had cupcakes, and they didn't even know what icing was. So Sheila had all these gals come over to our house and made cupcakes for Christ. <laughs> so this is, this is the part where everybody has made people unique. What do you play a mandolin? Start a mandolin band. I don't know. What do you hike? You love to hike. You love to bicycle. Ooh, I don't like bicycling. But 
you know, bicycling or whatever it may be. You pray and then you participate. We need to free up enough time, bring our kids with us as we are participating. I've done, I love weightlifting, so I've weightlifted with total non-Christians. I have, one dude was uh, a former Navy SEAL. Man, I hurt myself weightlifting with him. But, but we got into these conversations about Jesus while weightlifting. It took several months. But what is it you love? What is it you love? Is it painting? Use that. God gave you that gift. God gave you that, that fun activity. Utilize it for, for reaching your neighbors or your friends. Does this make sense to you guys? So you, you pray for a boatload of people, but you can only participate in maybe two or three people's lives. You can't, if you got a job, you got a family, you've got, that's your, that's your priorities over there as well. But you can only participate in only a couple. Don't beat yourself over the head if all you can participate is with one person. Can you imagine if every Christian took one non-believer and just hung out doing something fun in one year or two years. For me, it takes about three years or four years to lead someone to the Lord because people are like this, especially if you're a pastor. It's just like, I need to wear garlic or something around you, pastor. So there's the P is pray. Second P is participate. Use whatever you like. I mean, let you enjoy some hobby. And then the third, the hardest, is the present. That's the P. It's learning how to actually engage in a spiritual conversation. I've, I brought some of these with me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll be really quick about this. How many of you ever seen one of these? Sheila has. Of course, you're my wife. Should have opened this up. Anyway, I'm going to leave a couple of these here because some people who are creative in mind, in thought, and artistic like these. This is an Avenger cube. I should have opened one up. I didn't realize this was. Anyway, I led a bunch of Maasai warriors to the Lord in Africa using this. It was so cool. Actually, it was scary to me. Um, but. You talk about how God is perfect and man is sinful and we're separated by sin. And then you open it up and, and then the wages of sin is death and we're separated. But what was God's solution? It was Jesus. He died. He paid the penalty for all our sins. And then you just go through this whole thing and, and the, he would die on the cross and then they buried him and he, everybody thought he was dead, but on the third day, he rose again. Because he's alive, we can live. Did you know, when I was in Lay Hill, outside of D.C., we had a bunch of the wildest-looking dudes playing basketball in our backyard, tatted all up. There wasn't a white dude in the whole bunch. And here we are. And I got a gorilla, nice basketball hoop, installed in the backyard so I could hang out with the wildest group. We were in a hot spot of crime outside of DC. 
And those guys were playing with their pants halfway down. And, you know, I'm going, I don't want to see guys' underwear, you know, that kind of stuff. But I never said anything like that. Well, I did one time because my daughters were there. And I said, guys, nice underwear, but I got daughters here. Could you hike it up? And they laughed and they hiked it up. But I actually took this and sat a bunch of 14 to 21, 22-year-old kind of gangbanger type guys sat them down. Um, it took me a while to gain their trust because I was just a cracker to them. But when I put a hoop there and spent 2,000 bucks so that they had a nice hoop to play, they started thinking, oh, this guy cares about us. It took like two or three years to gain their trust. But finally, and I had Sheila, I said, Sheila, pray for me. I'm going down with the Avenger Cube. You know, but I went down and I shared Christ. There's so many ways you can, you can share Christ. I'm going to just leave these three here. Um, those, some people that's great for, I enjoyed using those. Other people like just using one verse. But there's, ask, do you guys have training on how to share your faith in the church? Hopefully. I hope you do because that's what, can you imagine this church being filled with a bunch of baby Christians? Be pretty awesome. What's the first P? What's the second? What's the third? Present. We need to be courageous. We need to be verbal. We need to be different. We need to be loving. Father, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to have the privilege of just sharing from the Antioch example. Wow, what a, what a church. I believe First Church is this church. It can be and it is this church. This area needs Jesus Right now, what I want you to do is I want you to think of a, a couple neighbors that you know that aren't Christians. I call them pre-Christians. <laughs> they don't know yet that there's a Jesus who loves them. Do you have a couple names in mind? I want you to take a few moments right now and just pray that God will open up their hearts. That God will open up their hearts, draw them to himself. Pray their name. Ask God right now to use you, to show you, give you courage and, and how to participate in their life. Ask God to give you opportunities to be a part of their life. And Lord, I pray that that first church after 125 years here has led thousands of people to the Lord, no doubt. But that the years ahead will even be more fruitful. 
that you bless James, his ministry here, and the passion made the passion for lost people just boil up within everyone within this church. Young and old, many of us are our our grandparents and maybe who God's laid on our heart is our grandchildren. God, have your way. Make us courageous, make us verbal. Help us not to stop talking about Jesus. Help us get the training we need to learn how to share our faith. Thank you that someone told us about Jesus. Thank you for Dean Bagul, Pastor Bagul, down at Camp Center, who's told me about Jesus. And for all those people that put into my life. Jesus' name. Amen. So Dick chose a new song for us this week. I love the word.